please stand and join me in the call to worship? God is acting in our lives and in the world around us. God is here now, ready to strengthen us and to urge us to greater faithfulness. Fill us with your goodness, O God. Draw us into the orbit of your activity, world, that we might fulfill the purpose for which you created us. Amen.
Good morning and welcome to worship here at Southside Baptist Church this morning. Another beautiful day and I know that you've enjoyed this these uh, days in recent uh, in the past week especially as we've seen the beauty of God's uh, created world and all the colors that we're beginning to see and uh, apart from the fact that we have to rake up all those colors. But nonetheless it is it is great to be able to experience the um, the grandeur of God's created world but also to be able to see in the lives of those around us God's uh, spirit within us and so I pray that uh, today as you come into this place you have been welcomed by those you have uh, met and and uh, have greeted you and if you're guests but also members alike and that in that process you have felt the presence of Christ's spirit now and you will also as we worship together today as we gather we uh, continue both as a as a church family in this community welcoming guests but also as our mission of building an inclusive community of grace first in this community and then beyond and we do so by encouraging all to give expression to the use of their gifts and the various ways that God may lead you one of those is hospitality and we want to show the hospitality that we have both uh, here but also just in being called to follow Christ by passing the peace of Christ that we have experienced as you will uh, do as you greet one another here in the sanctuary. So take a moment and do that as we uh, continue in our time. And when you come back to your seat, if you would write down your name on the, on the registration tablet, we would appreciate that too. Not only do we like to coordinate um, our texts with the uh, worship theme uh, or the day or some such thing, but we also usually like to coordinate the colors. You'll notice that uh, my colleagues are in green. That's the standard for today. But I've made a, a personal uh, uh, exemption and um, uh, decided for red today because, as many of you know, uh, the UK it's called Remembrance Sunday. Uh, here we simply know yesterday as Veterans Day. Um, and so in honor of our uh, fallen and those who have served um, uh, through many conflicts and many times, many days, uh, we are, are grateful for uh, those in service, all veterans of course, but especially we remember uh, those who are not with us you go through almost any little town or hamlet in England, uh, you go into a church house and there is a, a war memorial, a memorial for those who were lost. Most of the time, uh, they, it originated in what they knew as the Great War, the First World War, uh, as we know it. But then later, many of them were updated uh, for the Second World War. And so we, we think about these things, perhaps I, I was down at the uh, gathering this morning and I was looking around for Dr. Roxburgh and I, I had my, I found my little poppy uh, and I 
we're so proud to get to wear it uh, here uh, that we smuggled back from England on, on some of our uh, uh, teaching trips uh, there. So uh, we, we think about these sorts of things. And I, uh, in particular, think about scriptures like the 90th Psalm, um, from which I will read uh, as a part of the prayer. May we, may we pray together. Our Lord and Father, we are grateful for the gift of life and for the, the time that we have here this morning to listen to your word, to sing of it, to pray, to open ourselves to your spirit. As your psalmist said in the Psalms, you have been our dwelling place for generation after generation even before the mountains were brought forth. We ask that you will satisfy us in this morning, as it also says, with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. We ask you to make us glad for as many days as we are here, that we are, are a part of this worldly congregation and may the favor of our God rest upon us and may we establish the work of our hands in all that we say and do. We pray it in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. May we stand and sing um, a well-known old folk tune to a very lovely text um, and you will find it in hymn number 290. Lord make us servants of your peace. May we stand as we sing together.
Today our first scripture lesson is found in the Psalter. It's the first three verses of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Here ends our lesson from the Hebrew Scripture. reading from the New Testament is from the Gospel of Mark and the ninth chapter. And if you're able, will you stand to read from the Gospel this morning? They passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But the disciples did not understand what he was saying, and they were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. Jesus sat down and called the twelve and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. And then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. Maybe seated. Good morning. How's everybody? Doing good? It was uh, really great to have everyone downstairs in Sunday school and see, see you at the gathering. And we know that uh, you sort of uh, liven things up when you're down there. You know that? 
when you come to the gathering, you sort of liven things up. Yeah, and you sort of sometimes do here too. Come right over here next to me. Martine, come sit down right here, okay? Right in front of the glass so we can see. I want you to, I want you to help me with this in just a minute. Martine, come right here. Sounds so strange to me. <laughs> the, um, Dr. Roxburgh just read a, uh, in our scripture lesson, he talked about the disciples and they were walking along together and they got to arguing about something. Y'all don't ever, I know that none of you ever argue, do you? You don't ever disagree with your sister, do you? You argue a little bit, maybe a little bit. Martine, you're always, um, I don't doubt that. Uh, but, you know, that's just our human nature is to disagree. And sometimes we argue about things and we want to make sure that people understand how we think about it. Well, what Dr. Roxburgh said, come sit down, sit down. What Dr. Roxburgh read was this. He said that Jesus asked them about it because he said, you know, the one that's really the greatest is the one that serves everyone because he said you really can't be first you've got to be last because you're going to be serving those others close to you and when he talked about that he was telling about something that was going to happen even to him now i've got something here i want to show you and it's something that i've had a long time and it's um not something we typically may see in a baptist church and it's not really a crucifix it's more of a, a symbol of jesus the cross but he's really not on the cross is he what does it look like to you have a guess he's holding a dove isn't he now what is what do you think that dove might represent well don't you say so what jesus said was that because he came and because he gave his life there was peace there would be peace and he offers that peace to everyone who will believe in him now let me ask you another question about this though about the peace we sang about it a few minutes ago. We heard and sang about the um, what we're hopefully we can do, and that is we can be instruments of peace, that we can let God's love flow through us and, and help other people. Why do you think this shows that not only was Jesus the one who gives peace, but also that he became a servant? He became a servant to all of us because he was willing to even go to the cross so that we would have and know the peace that comes through him. And so therefore we know God. He also talked about children when he was there. Did you know that? In that passage that Dr. Roxburgh just read, what did he say about children? Do you know what he said? He said that we, as all people, have to receive people as you as children receive people. That is, that you love people and that you are bearers of peace to them. So we learn from you also, as Jesus taught us, to look at those who trust and have faith in those who help them and who, who help provide for them. Jesus comes as a servant to all people. We receive him. He is that one who brings the gift of peace. And so we want to remember that as we go. And let's pray that we would, both in everything we do, we would understand the love of God more completely, but also that we can be those who share God's peace. Loving Lord, we thank you for this day and these children. May we receive you as these children receive you. May we receive that which you have done, knowing that you have provided both for life abundant here and for life filled with joy now and also forever.
on impulsive decisions. We're not having any up here today. Will you join me in prayer this morning? Shall we pray? God of all grace, we bow in your presence, grateful for all our national and civil liberties. As we over these past days have been remembering those who have fallen in various conflicts, we remember those who have served their country in its hour of need, and especially for those who gave their lives in that service. They shall not grow old as we who are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the sun condemn. At the going down of the sun, we will remember them. Almighty God, most merciful Father, as we remember these your servants, remembering with gratitude their courage and strength, we hold before you those who mourn, who mourn them and others. Look upon all who still mourn the loss of loved ones. May this time of year, as we approach Thanksgiving and Advent, not only bring pain, but may it also bring your consolation and the assurance that loved ones are alive now and forever in your living presence. And Lord, as we face the future, a future of uncertainty in a world of conflict, make each of us an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope where there is darkness, light, and where there is sadness, joy. Loving Lord, we also bring before you today those who suffer from various illnesses, those whose lives are profoundly affected by weakness in body, in mind, and spirit. We pray for all who feel uncertain about the future, who are anxious about coping with the challenges of daily life, May they know that perfect love which casts out fear and of confidence in your loving grace towards them. Spirit of love, inspire each of us with courage to commit our lives supporting one another. Help us to reach out and help with love and with compassion those we meet day by day. Give us strength and hope to work to change the lives of many. Awaken us to every challenge with confidence, determined to succeed. Give us the confidence to reach beyond our human expectations, to have hope for all that we can achieve. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers as we offer them in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Growing up in Scotland, one of the most fascinating people of my childhood was Cassius Clay, or later Muhammad Ali. Prior to his title fight with Sonny Liston, he predicted to show to you that I am great, I will knock him down in eight. 
Well, he won. The only person ever actually to knock Clay down was a British fighter called Hen Henry Cooper in June 1963, before that first Sonny Liston fight. For the second fight, over a year later, my father decided that it was an opportunity for me to get up in the middle of the night and watch the fight. So I expectantly got up to see a good long fight and it was over under two minutes. But it seemed to kind of confirm what Ali was always saying about himself. I am the greatest. Well, Jesus asked his disciples a question about that. He said, who is the greatest? Jesus has just predicted once again in Mark's gospel that he's going to Jerusalem to die. And the disciples have no idea what he's talking about. They avoid the conversation with Jesus about his passion and resurrection. Their silence reminds me of that old adage, better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak out and remove all doubt. Perhaps they didn't want to believe that what Jesus was saying was true. Perhaps they didn't want society as they knew it. They just wanted a better position within it. They wanted to be the benefactors not the backs on which others benefited. And so Mark tells us, intriguingly, that they were frightened. Their fear precluded them from asking a question. Fear is ubiquitous in Mark. People are always being frightened about this, that, or the other. Faith, the opposite, is not, for Mark, so much an intellectual assent to certain doctrines or beliefs, but it's more about what you feel in your gut, how you feel, and they felt afraid. So they change the subject and they're talking with each other, arguing really along the road and Jesus knows what's happening. And so when they come to a certain point in the road, he says to them, so what are you arguing about? What are you discussing? And they're again, a little bit frightened to say. And so he says, well, who is the greatest among you? That's what you've been talking about. So who is the greatest? In a hierarchical society, such as the first century Judaism and the Greco-Roman world in which these disciples lived, many are relegated to the bottom and only a few have access to the top. So a desire for greatness is understandable. And in many ways, greatness in the first century meant survival. It meant having enough, or as often as the case, having a little bit more than enough so that you have some hope for the future. Greatness equaled protection, security, Greatness meant that your life mattered and you could not so easily be ignored. In the ancient Mediterranean world, greatness would often be attained through the acquisition of honor. And honor rested upon wealth and possessions and often the acquisition of land. It was also about maintaining your place in society, not slipping down, but trying to move up. And the ancient world was infused with a strong sense of honor and also of shame. They didn't want to be on the bottom rung because that to them was shameful. They wanted to be on top. That meant greatness. So they could curry favor with people who were above and they could look down with disdain upon those who were under them. Ramsey McMullen in his books, Roman Social Relations, speaks about Roman society at that time. He says, there was no middle class. Most of the wealth was accumulated in the top 10%, and the bulk of the people were the poor. There was nobody in the middle. He says, quote, the upper classes emphasize for everyone to notice and acknowledge the steep, steep 
social structure that they taught. So the rich only wanted to associate with the rich and the poor were left to themselves. So it's against that background that we hear what Jesus is saying about, about greatness. And it stands out with sharp relief, saying that the way to gain honor is to receive those who are without honor, goes against the whole logic of that society and ours. The kingdom of God assesses and assigns value differently from the human realm. God will receive those who receive a child. They will give access to true power, the power of the one who sent Jesus. Now, while our modern society is obviously different from 2,000 years ago, there are many similarities. We seek success through acquisition, acquisition of friends, acquisitions of people who can help us go up the ladder. When the Apple Watch was released, it was revealed that it came in aluminium, stainless steel, and gold versions. A colleague of mine recently at Sanford discovered a student using her Apple Watch during a test. I don't know whether it was aluminium or gold, but she tested out. The disciples do not question this society structure of knowing your place, but they just want to go up. And they think the kingdom of God has come. The king is here. Messiah has come. So this is the time. This is our opportunity to make sure that things are different in this new order. They don't deconstruct the values of society around about them. Instead, they take it on board that the kingdom will just be the same. And so they want to be on top rather than on the bottom. And so it's in that context that Jesus seeks to correct this clandestine conversation that they've been having amongst themselves, thinking that he doesn't hear what they're talking about. And in one sentence, Jesus completely reverses the whole order of things. Whoever wants to be first must be last and servant of all. Greatness is no longer being above. Greatness is being under. Greatness is being a servant. The word that Jesus uses is the word that we use for deacon, to serve, diaconia. In Mark's gospel, the only people who are called deacons, diaconia, are women, angels, and Jesus. The disciples are never referred to by that title. That's what Jesus is trying to get at in this passage. So to prove his point even further, he brings a child before them. He puts the child before them as a startling example of the least in their society. Because in the first century, children had the least social status. The child was devoid of any legal rights and no societal protection or maintenance, except that which the parent could provide. They were vulnerable, as children are always vulnerable in our society. The child cannot offer patronage or other critical social benefits. Ultimately, children are dependent on the goodwill of others. She is completely vulnerable. To welcome such a person is to welcome Jesus. To welcome one such as this is honorable. This is where honor really lies. This is greatness according to Jesus. One scholar describes the place of children in that society at that time in this way, as a helpless, dependent, non-productive burden, 
Children were at best second-class citizens in the eyes of classical Roman culture and ancient believing Jews. One day these children might become productive and protective of their parents, but until then they're far below on the order of things, behind even women, rich, behind even women, the poor, the sick, and the lame. Our picture in our church bulletin this morning has this great number of, of, of children, we would call them in Scotland, bairns, little ones, babies. But there's a couple of toddlers in there, and I think it's probably a toddler that Jesus has when he, he brings the child before them. And he says, here's the great lesson. Do you welcome a child? Do you welcome somebody who's vulnerable, who has no place, who can't help you, who can't make you go up? Will you come down to their level and will you welcome them? So Jesus is, is describing what the kingdom of God is like. He tells his disciples that contrary to their expectation, those who are most honored in the kingdom are servants and those who are least. In Mark's gospel, God has been breaking in and doing all sorts of things amongst those whom people often overlooked. The ostracized demoniacs, others who were possessed, bleeding women, dead girls, the sick, on two occasions the hungry, as well as those with other disabilities. He seems to go out of his way to, to help those who have nothing, nothing that they can offer Jesus in terms of social structure. He just goes to help them. Furthermore, the actions we take every day may have ramification on the least. We might never consider. And so we think about who we associate with, whom we greet, whom we call to our aid, whom we welcome into the sanctuary on a Sunday morning. It turns out that greatness is in welcoming one who is viewed not as great by the culture, but a child who needs a welcome. One thing I discovered in having two daughters and four grandchildren is that children want your time and attention more than anything else. That's how you honor them. You treat them as important, so important that the other pressing issues become secondary. You've had the experience, have you not, of reading a story before bedtime. Why do children pick the longest story? And why do the people who are reading them try to pick the shortest or the book, the story that has the most pictures, the biggest type, and the fewest pages. Why do you try to jump over a page? But the child knows the story so well, it says, you've missed a page there, Grandpa. Will you go back? Slow down. I love the way that we, know, we try to incorporate our children into services of worship. We, we bring them forward at the front. But recently, we've been involving them in the taking of the offertory. One of the great joys is on a communion Sunday when the children come and I go down and I offer them the waver and the, and the cup and I say the love of Jesus for you. This is what Jesus is talking about. Frankly, it's odd that a child was even in the room with Jesus that day. The child's place was typically with the women and the slaves, but for whatever, whatever reason, there was a child nearby, maybe more of them. Maybe they were making a noise. Maybe they were disturbing things. And, and, and the disciples want, as they did on another occasion, to shoo the children away. But Jesus takes one, puts it right in the center, 
and says, whoever embraces one of these children embraces me. And more than that, you embrace the one who sent me. It seems that if we want to embrace Jesus, if we want to embrace God, if we want to receive God into our lives, if we want to identify ourselves with the kingdom of God, then part of discipleship is to bring people from the margins into the center, not just once, but as a continuing process. And Jesus' call is not limited to children. Jesus wanted us to see that everyone who stands on the edge, on the stage of power, that's the person we welcome. All those who would never be considered winners, people too often brushed aside and seen as disposable, we are to serve them. Will you let me be your servant? Will you let me be as Christ to you? Pray that I may have the grace to let you be my servant too. We are pilgrims on a journey. We are brothers, sisters on the road. We are here to help each other walk the mile bear the load. Will you let me be your servant? Let me be as Christ to you. Pray that I may have the grace to let you be my servant too. Will you pray with me? God of grace, the one who stooped down to make us great, help us to follow your example and to live in serve an attitude towards one another that your kingdom may come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven hear our prayers for jesus sake we ask them amen our hymn of promise is number 425 her firm a foundation ye saints of the lord will you stand to sing i 
us pray together. Gracious Lord, we are grateful to be here. We are grateful for one another. We are grateful for Jesus Christ, for this church gathered here, for this time of worship, that we are made in your image, that we may commune with you and with one another, that you promise to be with us through every fiery trial and on this journey through life. Grant that we may be faithful in this life and that we may offer to you our hearts and our lives and that you may bless the fishes and loaves that we bring through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.
for the opportunity to bring these tithes and offerings. We give you thanks. And even to bring our whole lives. We lay them before you, Lord. May they be used for your purpose, for your kingdom's work, both in this community and beyond. In your name I pray. Amen. Be seated for just a moment, please. It's good to see everyone here today and to share together in worship. It's a beautiful Lord's Day and to be able to see uh, faces that maybe have been away a while, but others that uh, are here every week and we're grateful for that opportunity to share together and lift our voices in worship. One thing that I did want to do, Dr. Banks mentioned earlier about the, uh, those uh, recognizing the veterans, but I wondered if we could take a moment just for those who have served in some military uh, capacity in any branch of the service, you can stand for just a moment, please, because we do want to, there's one. Thank you all, and thank you both for your service, but also for what you bring to life today, too, here and now. We thank you. Today, as we prepare to go out, take a uh, look at the back of the bulletin for those activities. One of those, the Thanksgiving dinner, which is this Wednesday, at, uh, actually it's at 5, uh, 530. Uh, we'll have a Thanksgiving dinner. The church is going to provide, uh, as we normally do, the, that. We'll take a contribution like we usually do on Wednesday night. But then if you'd like to bring a dish to complement that or dessert, do so. Feel free to do so. And we'll have a, a big Thanksgiving dinner together as we share together and give thanks together, too. As we prepare to go out and to um, be those instruments of peace, hopefully, uh, Dr. Roxburgh is going to have our benediction. Receive the blessing of God as we leave. May grace, mercy, and peace from God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen.